The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Hello, Texas fans, and happy signing day. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Wednesday, December 12th. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Mr. Mike Craven. Mike, say hello. Hello, everybody. All right, Mike, it is our signing day extravaganza. I'm already tired. I, I, I know. You probably are knee-deep in a all sorts of signing day and state high school football games, all this stuff right now. Um, for full disclosure, we are taping this on Tuesday, the yes. 17th. So if anything happens over the next uh, 24 hours before this podcast is published and Hudson Carr decides to go to a school like the University of Montana, don't blame us. This is a, if any outdated stuff ends up on this podcast, uh, which hopefully it doesn't, I think everything is pretty much set in stone right now. That is right. Why? But you know, we're going to kind of break down. That was a good recruiting pitch to Hudson, yeah. right there. We're going to break down kind of what Texas uh, did on signing day, and um, so let's just start there. Mike, what are your thoughts on this class? A sixteen-person class, uh, ranked number ten by two four seven. So another top ten haul for Tom Herman. Just kind of overall thoughts on what the Longhorns did on signing day. Yeah, for going seven and five and. Losing an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, and just the amount of of upheaval um, at Texas right now, I think a top ten class is is pretty admirable. Um, specifically, given the low numbers, you know, only Georgia and Texas have fewer than twenty commits and are in the top ten. So most of these other schools ranked above Texas have twenty to twenty five uh, commitments. To do that with only sixteen means that it's full of really good sixteen players. You know, I, I think the guys they signed are you know top-level players that they like. It's just the numbers, and some of that has been the decommitments, and some of that's just coaching changes, and, and some of that's the 2021 class that they're really excited about kind of over-signing. Now, one of the reasons why this is a 16-player class is Texas did have some decommitments some um, various reasons. Obviously, the coaching changes probably didn't help. Uh, fit didn't help. Um, you know, some you know, kids just wanted different opportunities and different um, – you know, this didn't see their future at Texas. So, you know, with someone like Quentin Johnson, who decommitted this week and decided to go to TCU, Ty Jordan, a running back with uh, West Mesquite, I believe, decided to go to Utah last week. Ethan Pouncey, Joshua Eaton, two other cornerbacks decided to go elsewhere. Uh, Prince Lee, um, we're not going to bother Montemilan. butchering that last name from up the road at Maynard, defensive lineman. He's still undecided, but decided he didn't want to go to Texas. Um, those decommitments, obviously, most of them on defense. What is the impact of those uh, decommitments and how much did that hurt Texas in the long run or did it not hurt them at all? Yeah, I mean, this is a top five class of those guys that you listed are all still a part of it. You know, Quentin Johnston on the offensive side was a huge loss uh, on Monday night. Uh, You know, he's kind of a quiet kid, hasn't been, you know, too much in the spotlight, but a fantastic football player and and a big loss Um, for Texas. For for example, his loss dropped them from seventh to tenth. You know, they were seventh, and then he decommitted, and now they're tenth. So, uh, yeah, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of these guys decommitted before Todd Orlando left. Um, and some of that's the odd man front, just how poorly this defense was playing during that October month where a lot of these guys uh, um, left. And so I think offensively right now at Texas, as an offensive commit, you can go, I'm going to play for Tom Herman and whatever he does on offense, and you can pretty much have a good idea of what you're doing offensively. Right now, defensively, you're not exactly sure what Texas is going to do if you're a recruit. And so it's harder to get those guys on board without a scheme 
and so I think that's why you see only five defensive commitments in this whole class. Back in the day, Mike, when we were, <clears throat> excuse me, um, getting in this business, there was one signing day. Yep. And that was, you know, that first Wednesday in February, and that was all you had to worry about. Obviously, that's not the case anymore. Um, the short signing period in December is going to close, and there's going to be two more months of recruiting. And then, once again, that you know, signing day, the first week of February, that's kind of how you know, Texas will put a bow on this. But over these next two months or you know, six weeks or whatever it is, what does Texas have to do? Who are they still looking at? I mean, there's still going to be some talent out there to help round up this class. So what do you expect Texas and this, this new coaching staff um, this is like we said. We we're taping this on Tuesday. Chris Ash was just named the new defensive coordinator, so he's on board at Texas. They still need to find a new offensive coordinator. But what does Texas need to do over these next couple months to round out this class? And here's the interesting part: like this early signing period started in 2018, mm-hmm. and pretty much everybody that was committed except for two signed that day. And one was Keontae Ingram, who was playing a state championship game, and then there was Keandre Coburn who wanted some extra time, but 19 out of the 21 commitments at the time signed. Um, And then last year it was the same. And so this will be the first year that Texas has a decent amount of work to do in January and early February. And one of the reasons I think Tom Herman, for the most part, has kept the offers in his pocket and hasn't really searched out any new targets is because he's waiting for Chris Ash and whoever is the offensive coordinator to kind of come in in December and like Tom Herman did in the 2017 class, maybe have two or three guys in mind that they liked, that they've known, that they've recruited, that they want to add the way Herman did with like Marcus Bimage and stuff like that in that mm-hmm. class and just kind of fill it up that way. The names to really know, Calvante Dixon from Carthage, that's Keontae Ingram's little brother. He's going to wait until February. He's still in the state playoff, so he hadn't had a chance to take any visits or anything like that. Um, Alfred Collins could sign in on Wednesday, but I don't think we'll know about it until his All-Star game, and that's probably true for a couple of guys who are waiting for the All-Star game. And so I, Alfred Collins, Kelvante Dixon, Keely Ringo, the cornerback out of Arizona, I think those are the three guys that the Longhorns are really identifying, but new names will come into impact uh, come January when the new coaches can kind of, hey, I want these two or three guys if possible. All right, we're going to kind of break down for the rest of this podcast the position groups, um, kind of go over the recruits that are um, that Texas signed uh, on Wednesday. So, first up is quarterback. Obviously, the most important position on the field um, in sports, and it's the star-studded. Uh, you can make or break a recruiting class depending on um, you know who who is who is your your quarterback. So we're going to start there. Texas says two. Uh, Lake Travis quarterback Hudson Card, uh, Duncanville is Jaquendon Jackson. Obviously, this past weekend had a little bit of bad news with um, Jaquendon getting injured in the state uh, semifinals. But neither neither of these players was going to play next year anyway. Right. Um, Sam, that Sam's going to be here. Sam's coming back, which everyone expects uh, to be. So, what are your kind of thoughts on these two four star prospects? And you know, down the road, I mean, Texas has another good quarterback in the twenty twenty one class. Where do you kind of see the future of this uh, quarterback position? You know, I, there's not a team in the nation that signed a better duo of quarterbacks in Texas. I mean, there's just not. Uh, Hudson Carr, Jaquinda Jackson are both, you know, top five dual threat quarterbacks in the nation. Jaquinda Jackson's lost two games in his high school career and one one's a state championship game. 
Hudson Card, as anybody who's watched, you know, kind of local football knows, you know, has transferred from wide receiver to quarterback these last two years and has been fantastic. So, quarterback is a position that, and like you mentioned, Jalen Monroe in the uh, 2021 class. So, quarterback is a position that Texas shouldn't have trouble recruiting because Texas is the home of quarterbacks. We can look around at the NFL. Drew Brees set a record, you know, this weekend or Monday night. Um, seven on seven has made the quarterback depth in this state unbelievable. The Longhorns should always be able to sign uh, good quarterbacks, and they they did so with two guys that are athletic, that have good arms, and like you said, can sit for a year behind Sam, and then everybody can kind of battle it out in 2021 to kind of see who the heir apparent is. With DeQuindon being injured, how far do you does that push him back, especially since Hudson's going to be on campus earlier. Assuming the offense doesn't change too much, he's been running Tom Herman's offense at Lake Travis essentially this past year because his OC was once working at Texas. How much, you know, how much separation in that quarterback battle is there now considering this past weekend's news? Yeah, I think Hudson is definitely further along as a quarterback than Jaquindon is. You know, he's a, he's a more polished passer. He has better footwork, you know, better arm angle and stuff. And some of that's just having private quarterback lessons since he was, you know, 12 years old. So, and then, you know, playing at Lake Travis, um, that plays a similar system. I don't know if Jaquindon's going to be too far behind. You know, they can send him the playbooks and they can, you know, do all that kind of stuff behind the scenes. And like you said, neither one of them was going to play in this coming up year with Sam there and Casey Thompson as the backup. So they'll both have that full year to really catch up with each other. And I I think come spring of, I guess that's what, 2021, mm-hmm. it's going to get really fun in terms of kind of who who that's going to be because that's going to be a crowded group and a, a really young, talented group at that time. Let's move on over to the running back signees. There's really only one since Ty Jordan decided to go to Utah and uh, Jalen Hullabies kind of lists as an athlete who we'll get to later. Um, that's Bajan Robinson, the five-star Recruit out of Arizona, the highest rated recruit in this class. What can he do for this running back group? And would you expect him on the field um, in this upcoming season? Yeah, I, I unless he's injured, Bajon Robinson is playing in game one. He may not take the first snap. You know, Keontae Ingram, I think, is really good. Um, he's just dealt with some injury stuff. I think he's going to take a big jump going into his junior year. But Bajon is one of those guys who Texas hasn't been able to land since Herman got here. He's the second best running back in the nation. He's a big dude. He weighs already, you know, well into the 200 pounds. He can handle a heavy workload. Um, He's the only five-star in in this whole class. So he is most definitely uh, the most important recruit in this class because he's going to have the most immediate impact. This offense needs more bodies at running back, and he is going to be able to step in and provide that right away. And and Stan Drayton uh, deserves all the credit in the world for being able to keep him committed despite a 7-5 and five season and intention from Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and all the main schools. All right, time to talk about the receivers. There are two in this 2020 class. Uh, Troy Omery, Fort Bend, Austin uh, product, four-star kid over there. Used to be an A&M recruit, so Texas won one in-state battle. Uh, Dejon Harrison from up the road in Hutto. Receiver's kind of an interesting uh, group. There's some talent remaining, assuming that you know, Jake Smith is still here, assuming that Brendan Eagles, um, <coughs> Malcolm Epps, those guys, n- n- there's no transfers, which we, we don't expect, but you never know. Um, but <coughs> on the same token, Colin Johnson, no longer a Longhorn. He's you know, a senior this past year. Dev- Devin Duvernay, uh, you know, once, the, uh, once, once the Alma Bowl is over, that's the end of his career after a fantastic senior year. Even someone like John Bird, who didn't have 
huge statistics, but still got a lot of playing time and you know six starts, I believe. Um, so there's going to be some playing time available. Would you expect either Troy or Dijon to step into that role? And if not, you know, if, you know, if they don't play right away, what do you like about those two recruits? You know, wide receiver is kind of a position that seems to be harder to get on the field as a freshman than we imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just, I think with all the blocking and the option routes and just different stuff, um, you know, we didn't really see Marcus Washington and, Marcus and, Washington, and yeah. Jake Smith and that kind of stuff really make an impact for 12 full games. It's just, it's just hard to do. There's a lot of responsibilities there. So I don't know. Uh, like you mentioned, there's so many young guys on the, on the roster. I don't know if they really crack the two deep unless they just show up in our in our incredible. Uh, but the way that Dejon Harrison, I think, has a chance to break into it as special teams. You know, he may be a guy who gets a look on punt and kick returns and and you know on coverage teams. Um, so he may play in that role as a true freshman. But I think these are more you know stash and and have for 2022 kind of guys than than right away because. Brennan Eagles, Jake Smith, maybe Jordan Whittington if he moves back out to slot. Uh, they have a they have a pretty good amount of young talent at wide receiver. Speaking of stashing for 2021, we're going to talk about the offensive line. Uh, Logan Parr, Jake Majors, Dalen Garth, Andre Carrick, uh, four linemen in this uh, 2020 class. Now, offensive linemen under Tom Herman, they typically don't use fresh true freshmen in that role. Hmm. Um, Derek Kersler played 2017, but that was because they literally had no other choice right. um of this group do you expect that to change at all i mean they are losing zach shackelford um they're they're going to have some um some openings on on the offensive line i'm blanking on the, their left card's name right now the the grad chance parker braun parker braun from georgia georgia tech um but you know someone like you know a jake majors who's enrolling early would it be possible for him to kind of light the world on fire since they um do need a new center and Derek Kersler can't play the position, but they may want to leave him at a you know right guard or positionally a tackle position and not move him to center. So, would you expect these four to sit, or is there a chance that one of them sees the uh, off sees some playing time during their first year on campus? I think if given the choice, Tom Herman would like them to all redshirt. You know, you just it's different blocking teenagers and blocking grown men who you know have bills and kids and stuff like that by the time they're 21, 22. Um, Jake Majors, Logan Parr come in early, and they are interior guys. I think Jake would have the the better chance to play early because you know physically he's just strong enough to handle it. Um, but he also needs time. And so I think you know if Rafiti Germay and some of those those signees that have been stashed the last couple of years, they start to blossom. Hopefully Tom and, and Herb Hand don't need these guys to play right away. Because like you mentioned, if a true freshman is playing offensive line, it is out of necessity nine times out of ten, not because he's the best player available. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if Texas goes into next season with a true freshman starting along the offensive line, something went wrong. Injuries or you know somebody transferred or you know whatever. So uh, I would imagine we hear about these guys in a year or two, not next year. Now we, we've talked about this before, but you know, 2021 is kind of seen as the offensive line class. There's a lot of talent that Texas is chasing in this upcoming class. But do you think that uh, Texas got some contributors for down the road from this class? Is there one or two of these guys that you really liked um, when you when you saw them play over the past uh, you know 12 12 months? Yeah, I you know Jalen Garth was injured as a senior, and I I really wish he would have been healthy because he's one of those dudes that's just be- become a monster. You know, he entered high school not being able to do a push up. 
you know, one of those kind of chubby big kids that just hadn't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. And he's really grown into a man. He was Rashawn Johnson's starting left tackle as a junior and really had transformed his body. I was so excited to see him as a senior. So I think we're all kind of a little down on him because he was hurt. We tend to forget some of those injured guys a little bit. And so Jalen Garth is a guy who I think is really good. And then I was incredibly impressed by Andre Carrick throughout the year. I saw Southlake Carroll twice, uh, once in the regular season and once in, in the playoffs. And both times he was playing against pretty elite competition on the other side. And he looked he looked great. You know, even in the loss against Duncanville, he really looked good. And so I think Texas found a hidden gem in him where he could be maybe a Sam Cosme-type clone if given a year to kind of develop a little bit further. All right, we're here with Dejon Harrison, the newest Texas Longhorn. Um, what was what was today like? You got signed up alongside your boys, Makai, Lordsville. They're going off to college. You're doing your thing. What was today like for you? Uh, it's crazy for me just to know that we all came from nothing. You know, uh, we all grew up together, and we all played on the same football team for a long time now. So, you know, just just having this opportunity to be in this position today is, is amazing. What did it take to get to this point? What did I'm sure a lot of hard work went into this. What did it take for you to get to being a Texas Longhorn? Uh, it took everything out of me. Uh, you know, all the hard work, all the long nights, and all just everything that I put in just to be who I am today. You know, it really paid off for me. Why Texas? Why why, why were the Longhorns your team? Uh, you know, there's a saying that, that – uh, uh, ain't nothing like Texas football, and I really think that. And I feel like the energy at Texas is different, and that's that's anywhere than anywhere else. And I've been a lot of places over the over the time, but Texas has always been the place where I wanted to be growing up. So just given the opportunity, I just quit. Obviously, you have family ties to Texas. Uh, Jamal Charles, your cousin. How much how much of an influence did he have? How much did you kind of uh, you know, talk to him about this decision? And you know, what, what role did he play? Uh, he had a big influence, but he, he wasn't really talking to me too coming to Texas. He just wanted me to make the best decision for myself. But seeing what he did at Texas and seeing the strides that he made, I just want to follow in his footsteps. You know, perhaps the only people who had bigger smiles today when you were signing was your family. You know, how excited are they to, that you're staying close to home and that you were able to accomplish this? Uh, they're very excited uh, knowing that where we was going, where we were going in the recruiting process was very far. And they wouldn't be able to see most of my games because they weren't aired on TV where we're at. So um, just them knowing that they can come to my game every, every game and have tickets in a front row seat is perfect for them. You know, why don't you introduce yourself to Texas fans? What, what do people expect from you? What are they, what are they getting uh, when, when you get to campus? Uh, you'll, first game, you all see a surprise. You know, I, I feel like nobody really knows what I can do uh, until I actually show them. So you'll see. Now, I'm seeing you rolled in today on crutches. How's the health going? You know, do you expect to be ready? I'm assuming you're expecting to be ready by next season. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Of course. I'll definitely be ready by next season. I should be walking by next week. So uh, that recovery process will be very quick, and I'll be back on the field shortly. Um, what are your thoughts on the overall 2020 class? Uh, what is this class capable of? What do you expect? How close are you with these guys? What do you expect you guys to do once you all get to get to campus? Uh, I feel like we're one of the best classes to come out of this, you know, recruiting this recruiting year. Um, you know, we got we're real heavy on offense right now. We're, we're getting real big on defense. So um, I just feel like if we if we do what we got to do and grind grind it out, I feel like we can win the Big Twelve tomorrow. I mean, Big Twelve uh, next season. Now, what was this last couple of weeks like? Obviously, some 
turnover on the coaching staff, a little bit of turmoil, um, not the season Texas expected. What was it kind of like for you as a recruit, and how much did that kind of play a factor in your decision? Uh, I know where Texas has been, and I know what they're, what they're capable of, especially with uh, Coach Herman, you know, at the driver's seat. So I'm, I feel like Coach Herman could put us in the right position with the right player. So with him having all the success that he has had, and I feel like he, he just made the best decision for everybody. Now, what orange do you look better in, burnt orange or huddle orange? Both. Easy. That's a good answer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, time to move on over the de- defensive line. As we said at the top of the podcast, uh, we're taping this on Tuesday. Uh, about the time we started taping, Texas announced the signing of Chris Ash as their new defensive coordinator. Obviously, worked with Tom Herman at Ohio State. A little four-two-five action coming yeah, to us. Former former coach at Rutgers. So there will be some changes defensively and schematically, and maybe that impacts what we think of some of the. Uh, the recruits of Texas signed small number on defense. Um, obviously, a lot more offensive talent. But let's start on the defensive line. Uh, Syridge, uh, Vernon Broughton, Longview, Sawyer, Gorham, Welch, who actually committed this week or over the weekend to the Longhorns. Mike, what, are, what, what should we think about these two defensive linemen? And will we see either of them um, next season? I, I think Vernon Broughton plays as a true freshman. He's, he's, He's a fantastic player. For his size, he moves so well. He's a former basketball kid. And we're starting to see more of that. And I, I think it's a smart move. You know, those guys who probably are too small to be basketball centers and power forwards start playing defensive line, offensive line, because they're so athletic and, and big for a football player. He's going to enroll early. Uh, I think he's going to play a lot. Uh, Gorham Welch is also enrolling early. So those are two, you know, big bodies that Chris Ash can add to that defensive line position. Um, and, and use right away in the spring and kind of figure out depth. So it wouldn't shock me at all if those guys became, you know, kind of like what Tavondre Sweat did this year, where maybe he's not playing 50% of the snaps, but you can use him in certain situations. Let's talk a little bit about Sawyer. Um, he committed um, over, over the past weekend. He was former Oklahoma State commit. Mm. You know, it interests me a little bit that he's enrolling early because, you know, that's a quick transition to make, yeah. especially because, you know, you can't just – enroll early. You had to get accepted. You had to have all your academics and all that stuff. And I'm sure he had that in line and he was going to do that at Oklahoma State. But what did Texas fans need to know about him? And, you know, what, why would Texas go after, you know, a kid who comes from a very established program, obviously a lot of talent over there in Longview, but what was it about him that attracted Texas to East Texas? Yeah, I think some of it was they needed somebody after Van Fillinger, uh, decommitted mm-hmm. and he has a similar body build to that so I, I you know he was probably just next on that list of who to chase and being an east texas guy and, and texas doing pretty well in east texas i think they knew if they put on a full court press and got him on campus he'd rather stay in state than go to oklahoma state mm-hmm. uh, he's a he's a good player he's going to be like a three technique type of defensive tackle and if texas is moving to a four-man front like we figure chris ash will run because that's what chris ash has ran everywhere that he's been Texas needs more kind of big bodies at that defensive tackle, defensive end position, and he can be one of those players that can grow into a nose tackle, can stay a three technique. And since he enrolls early, those guys will basically be essentially sophomores going into next year to where they're able to kind of to deal with that, already have an offseason in their plate. So it just it gives just more options to a team that, that needs it with Malcolm Roach leaving and, and some of those young guys still kind of figuring it out there on the edge. Let's uh, talk about linebackers. Not a lot to talk about. There's only one in this group. Um, we've talked kind of about in the past on this podcast about the linebacker position and kind of recruiting in and how there's 
fewer and fewer you know, true linebackers, but Texas got a good one in Prince Dorba, the mm-hmm. four-star commit from Highland Park. Obviously, since he's from Highland Park, he's a winner. Uh, used to uh, used to playing on a very high level and in the spotlight. That's a great great school that he's coming from. But you know, what should Texas fans know about Prince? And is he someone who can play immediately, or is it some? Or should we uh, not expect to see him until like 2021-2022? Of all the defensive commitments, the two I believe will play, the two I have the most belief will play early are Prince Dorba and Xavier Alford. And Prince Dorba, Dorba, because he does something really, really well that Texas needs, and that's rush the passer. You know, he had like 20 sacks as a junior. Uh, you know, I think he has over 40 in his high school career. He plays kind of a defensive end B-backer for Highland Park. And here's where the defensive shift comes into play. When he committed, it was a three-man, odd-man front with a B-backer, and so he was pegged to be an outside B-backer. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're moving to a 4-2-5, does Prince Dorba, is he still a defensive end? Is he still moving to a linebacker spot? And so it's going to become interesting to see what they do with guys like Prince Dorba, who I would compare to Joseph Osai coming out of high school. And we've seen Osai go from defensive end in high school to outside linebacker to now rover. I wonder if Dorba has that same type of uh, path. And some of it will just depend on you know how he fills out because he's still pretty skinny. He's mm-hmm. a former basketball player who's 6'4 and has the frame. He's just kind of a lanky dude who hasn't spent you know a lot of time in a, in a weight room because he still plays basketball to this day. He's played a basketball game on Monday. So... Um, I love Prince Dorba. He has an unbelievable story for those who don't know. You know, at three years old, he was a refugee uh, from Western Africa and came over here. He's been adopted. Like, he has a, an amazing, awesome story that I'm looking forward to writing. And uh, I think he's going to have a really bright future at Texas. I believe Highland Park is one of the spots you're going to hit up on signing yes, day. Yes, I will be there on signing day. What, are, what, are, what, is, uh, what is the signing day schedule like for? For a guy like you who covers so many kids, um, it's not like you can just pick one and just uh, camp out at that one spot. I mean, yep. Are you trying to hit as many as possible? Do you kind of pick out a, I, a couple you want to hit up? Obviously, it seems like every school is like, we're going to do ours at 8 o'clock in the morning, which kind of yeah, makes that's scheduling the hard a little part. tough. That's the hard part. But see, luckily, I by this time of the year, I have enough relationships with the coaches and players to where I can be like, hey, man, I can't, I can't be at three places at once, so I'm going to come by your high school at whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to Duncanville at 8. Then I'm going to Mansfield Timberview uh, to talk to Hullaby at uh, 10.30. And then to Highland Park at 2.30. And then to the state championship game, first 11-man game at 7. So that's going to be my schedule for, for Wednesday. Uh, uh, since you mentioned Jalen Hullaby, we're going to skip defensive backs and go straight to athletes. We'll hit, hit defensive backs in a second. But... Uh, Bishop Dunn, athlete, uh, Jalen Hullaby, three-star recruit. What do you like about him? What can he do? What position do you think he projects at? Um, kind of the, I mean, I know Dejon Harrison can be labeled as an athlete. Same thing with Jaquindon Jackson, but Jalen's kind of the athlete in this class. Right. What do you expect from him? Uh, you know, from what I've heard, he's going to try to be kind of an H-back hybrid type guy. Maybe an Andrew Beck is a good example for him. Uh, he was mostly a running back in high school this last year. He played quarterback because they just didn't have one, so they kind of did like a wildcat-type offense all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he played out of position, and he was fine with that since he was already committed and stuff. He he describes it as a Swiss Army knife. He wants to come in and, and be a short yardage running back. He can play some fullback if they need to go power. He can play some H-back, tight end, 
Um, so he feels like he can be an offensive weapon that can kind of play in three or four different spots and be able to be one of those guys where you can keep on the field to not make the, so the defense can't change their personnel, but you can use him in different formations and kind of find mismatches within a defense. Uh, let's go back to the secondary. Uh, there are three signees in this class, one cornerback, two safeties. The cornerback is John Tyler's uh, uh, Keaton Crawford, four-star recruit. Two more four-stars among the safeties and Lufkin's Jaron Jer- Thompson, excuse me, and Alvin Shadow Creek's Xavier Alford. What do you like about these three? And obviously, the secondary was, was beleaguered this year. Right. That's the kindest way I can describe it. Yep. There's also going to be some playing time open with you know Brandon Jones moving on and I don't think either of those cornerbacks, that st- those st- starting cornerback spots are um, locked down. Yeah. Obviously, B.J. Foster and uh, Caden Stearns are kind of projected um, you know, to start next year just because of their talent and um, what they've accomplished at Texas. But you know, of these three, um, would, could we see either of them, any of them, on the field this year? And who do you like the most of this group? Yeah, I mean, I think there's an opportunity for all three of these guys to come play you know uh like you mentioned the cornerback spot with keaton crawford you know maybe it's hard you know for a cornerback especially early in the year but maybe what we saw kenyatta watson do and that's kind of grow into a spot Mm -hmm. as the year goes on uh but like you mentioned uh, you know even jalen green i don't don't know if you can really pencil yourself in as a starter as a secondary member last year i mean it just wasn't good and with a new defensive coordinator and probably new assistant coaches everybody's going to have a clean slate and that can benefit some people and that can hurt some people. And so we'll see kind of uh, where that pecking order is. I love Alford. Like I mentioned earlier, he's fantastic. He's an early enrollee. He's been out with a knee injury. It was kind of a slight uh, minor surgery, if there is such thing as minor surgery. Uh, he expects to be cleared by the time he gets on campus and goes through spring uh, practice and stuff. He can be a nickel guy. He can play that Brandon Jones position. He's fast. He's big. Alabama wanted him at one point, so he, you know, he can play some football. I think he's going to do well. And then Jaron Thompson is going to be a fan favorite. He may get three targeting penalties a year, <laughs> but he is going to be a fan favorite. He is, he is DeMarvion Overshone without the height. I mean, he is one of those dudes that loves football. You could put Jaron Thompson in a leather helmet in a 1954, and he'd freaking love it. You know, like that's just, he's a dude. And so I, I think Texas fans. As he figures it out, he's going to be one of those guys that can be a true uh, enforcer in the secondary and a, a good tackler. And as we've seen, that's something that the Longhorns have kind of lacked is some physicality back there. There will not be a lack of that with him. So this whole process happens and you go through all this and today's finally the day where you finally get to put the pen to paper. Just how does it feel? It's like a big relief. Like I've been committed for a while, but it's good to finally like put the pen to the paper and everything is official. So now it's just time to work. For you, I know you and I have talked about this, so just, mm. but just for Texas fans who are kind of just paying attention now, how do you see yourself fitting into to the I, offense? I, I, fit in the offense I, I fit into the offense as a Swiss Army knife. I can line up in no, numerous spots. They can get creative with me. I can go to the backfield. I can uh, get on the slot. I can do a lot of things. It's just it'd be versatile to be a playmaker. You played out of position a lot yes, this year. Kind of, I guess, what does that say about you as just a teammate and just, you know, being able to do whatever is necessary? Uh, whatever the team needs, like, like this year we didn't have a quarterback, so, you know, they asked me if I wanted to step in. Of course, like, that's a big sacrifice because, you know, it's, it's a lot that comes with that. But I was down for it. It's my senior year, so, so I already got offers and stuff like that. So I'm going to be unselfish, and I helped the team as best as I could. Um, 
with the coaching changes going on up there, wasn't the season that they wanted. Just as a recruit, what was the message to you guys? And, like, do you think fans kind of pay attention to that more than players do? When you go through the recruiting process, you look at more than what's happening on the field. Now you commit to the university and other things, but they had a lot of injuries and stuff. So so that was, that was part of it. But, yeah, we got to do a better job of winning games and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get better. Then. Is – Tom Herman, the guy up there, like I've been asked a lot by just fans, like, oh, okay, so an assistant coach leaves, you know, what's that do to recruiting? Is it having Tom Herman there kind of makes everybody at ease, or what What made Texas, you think, kind of keep everybody or most people together after the after the season? Well, they really make you feel like family. Uh, he real personable with people. Like, like if you see him in public, he'll know who you are. Like, you know, he's one of those people. So, yeah, yeah I think he's the guy for the job. How important do you think Dallas is to the Texas program? Like, he's from Houston, and so early on a lot of his recruits are from Houston. How important is it to get some talent from here? Well, if you ask me, Dallas got the best talent. So, yeah, I think Dallas is an important area to be – to get most recruits from. But, oh, you've been winning Dallas lately. So, you know, we coming in and get some Dallas players. That's big. To shift the momentum. You know, is it going to be up to you, Jaquindon, Prince, mm-hmm. those kind of guys, that next year y'all will be hosting yeah. the recruits and talking yeah. to them to kind of get them on board? Yeah, for sure. You know, we already got some of the DFW dudes committed, like uh, Billy Balmy, mm-hmm. you know, that's DFW, uh, Sanders. So, yeah, it's, it's already some dudes on on the board. So we'll probably get a couple more, and, yeah, it'll be big. All right, Mike, those are the 16 uh, members of the 2020 class at Texas uh, is expected to sign. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. As um, a recruiting guy, you've covered a lot of these kids since they were freshmen, sophomores, kind of when they got on the radar. What's kind of your relationship with them now? Do you uh, keep track of them now that they're in college? Do you kind of just have to scrub the page and start start over with the next class? Or you know, I'm sure now you get to kind of actually root for these kids since uh, you've dealt relationships with you know them and their family. What's kind of how do you kind of look at these guys now that? I guess they're my problem, not your problem yeah. anymore. Now that they're uh, Longhorns and y- your your coverage of them kind of changes. So let's say there's an average of twenty kids in each one of Texas's class. I probably get pretty close to about ten of them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you get you know I don't root for Texas. I went to UTSA, and so I. But I root for some of these kids, you know, and even not even the ones at Texas, you know, like when Demarvion Leal does something good at A and M, you know, it's like, man, that's my dude. I've known him since he was like 14 years old, and so mm-hmm. you get to know the families, and you get to know the players as like children. You know, we forget, <laughs> you know. I mean, we're both in our 30s, so we're looking at these dudes as, as like kids, you know. Like I have friends with 13 year olds, you know, and these, you know, like so. You just root for them to be happy and to be successful. And I love National Signing Day because outside of it being early wake up, <laughs> there is few things in life that light up a teenager and their family more than a, a free education to go play the sport that they love. It doesn't even have to be football players. I love watching the track kids. Like the, You can't fake those smiles, you know, even from the parents because they're oh, yeah. off the hook, you know, and so... I think the parents' smiles are bigger than right, the actual, you the know, actual it, players. Yes, and so it, it's just, there's so much that goes into this that I think normal fans just don't appreciate. It's so hard to be an elite athlete. Not only the hours you spend doing your athlete stuff, then you got to be a student, then you have to be a role model, and then everybody's asking you questions on Twitter and Facebook, and you got 80 coaches calling you, you got 30 dorks like me texting you all the time, like, it's a stressful experience. And so when you get to just sign on that dotted line and be 
uh, you know, a college football player. For me, it's exciting, and I, I probably lose contact with most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely a few along the years that you know I've become. You know, tight's the wrong word because I'm a grown man. But you know, I, you know, at least gotten close to their parents or like you know I like them. You know, think that you know they're going to do well, and so I root for them. Caden Stearns is one of those guys. You know, you just you just get to know him. He's right there in San Antonio, and so you just you just root for him, and so. Uh, there's probably three or four guys in each class like that that you know you kind of keep up with um, for personality reasons. Yeah, I will say signing day is one of those days where <clears throat> the ceremonies are always. It's kind of a strange to cover them. You know, cover them as a you know as an adult with deadlines and you're not really attached to the kids. And sometimes, especially if you go to a large school like you know for Westlake, for example. Uh, when they had their signing day in November for all their um, non-football athletes, I went to that ceremony. It was really long. Hmm. And, you know, all the coaches get up and say something about every one of the kids. And if you're not really invested, it's kind of like, oh, my God, you know, when, when is this when is this going right. to over? But on the same time, just to see every one of those kids get up there and see their families behind them beaming and their coaches, you know, saying all these things about the the players and just kind of, like, realize – how much work went into getting a scholarship, whether you're a golfer or whether you're a yes. football player, right. and what it takes to whether it's Texas or whether it's you know Saint Edward's UTSA down the road, or, or just, yeah. you know some University of Montana or just some school that you may right. not you know respect as a you know blue it's, blood program, right. but it's incredible and it is yep. it is awesome to see and it is awesome to see these the smiles and you know grandma and grandpa in the mm-hmm. crowd just beaming from. You know, you can just kind of feel the rays of their beams. Um, you know, we all had, all we all had dreams when we were five, mm-hmm. and to see that dream become a reality right in front of your face, like it's just it's cool. Yeah. Like unless you're just a jaded person, I mean, it's just it's just cool. Yeah. So you know, congrats to the athletes if you are somehow still listening to this podcast <laughs> at the 35 minute mark. Yeah, you know, congratulations to you. Congratulations to your parents and everything you have accomplished. It is something to definitely yes be proud of. Yes. Anyways, that's gonna we're gonna wrap up. Uh, don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store or in the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in each week. We will have uh, signing day coverage throughout the day on Hook'em.com. So please uh, tune back throughout the day to read Mike's hard work, and I'll chip in something to <laughs> make my bosses believe that I am doing uh, some work. But Mike is Mike is the all star today. The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by our neighborhood Zaxby's today. Order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. We will see you next week. Peace.